This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. We got a few details yesterday when it comes to ride hailing in B.C. We are told it will be or could be up and running by September, although there are some that are questioning that. Some of the new regulations include requiring transportation network companies pay a $5,000 annual licensing fee, a charge of $0.30 cents per ride on vehicles that, don't have, that aren't accessible for p- passengers with mobility issues, with disabilities. And the other one that is really getting a lot of attention as we've been talking about it here and it's been on the news is the need for a class for license. So let's bring in Aaron Zifkin. He is the managing director for Lyft in Canada. Aaron, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. Uh, What is your response to uh, the government saying they will not budge for ride hailing in BC? Drivers must have class four. Well, we're really excited to bring true ride sharing to BC. And uh, obviously, this has been a long time coming for BC residents. And when I say true ride sharing, what I mean by that is having reliable and affordable rides. And we know unequivocally, report after report after report, that the issue here in BC is around supply, making sure we've got enough cars at the right time in the right place. Having class four licenses introduced into BC is just going to be a blocker to that and not solve the problem that we all know is here. So will you even bother trying to bring Lyft to BC? We've been working for a long time now, several years, with all levels of government here to ensure that we've got a great regulatory environment. There was a great report that was put out, it was an all-party legislative committee uh, report several months ago that really did a great job of involving many stakeholders, both within the industry and outside the industry, and they put forward Class 5 licensing. And just as a point of context, this would be the only jurisdiction in all of North America that we operate in that would have a class four licensing commercial uh, system in place. Right. So will you apply to operate in BC? We just got the regulations yesterday. And so we're going to take a little bit of time to digest them. Obviously, we want to look at the environment in totality. We also really want to work closely with the uh, passenger transportation board to make sure we get it right. And when we say get it right, again, it all goes back to making sure that BC residents uh, have a world-class ride sharing system in place. How much generally, because there's been a lot of talk as well, people saying that uh, people that that drive for ride hailing services don't make uh, a livable wage, that they make a very small wage. What's the average? What would someone make if they're a Lyft driver? It it really depends. I think the really interesting part of our platform is that 91% of our drivers across North America drive for less than 20 hours a week. So it's really a great earning opportunity and a great opportunity to have supplemental income. Uh, you know, I had a great driver the other day taking me home from the airport. He was a retiree on fixed income, uh, and this was a great way for them to make some extra extra cash on the side. So what would you make, say, if you did 20 hours a week? It, it really varies. Our drivers have, uh, have earned over $15 billion on the platform. That number actually has increased 7% just in the last two years alone. Uh, but typically our drivers net out at, at over $20 an hour. Over $20 an hour. That's right. After okay. expenses. So, and, and you make an interesting point. If the majority of drivers, 91%, are, are people that are, that are doing 20 hours a week or less, uh, do you think that it is a, a big block in that before even doing that, they would have to go through the motions of getting a class four license, which involves a, a test, a medical exam, uh, the medical exam repeats, I think, every couple of years. Uh, do you think that would be enough of a deterrent that a lot of those people aren't, if Lyft comes to BC, they're not going to apply? 
Yeah, absolutely. Again, we look at the time and the investment uh, to get a class four license. And again, the bigger question is, why do you need to have it? There's no statistical, um, uh, there are no stats that have been released uh, that will say that class four is any safer than class five. ICBC actually released those stats saying that there is no statistical significance. But I think the most important thing is, as you think about a, a, a BC resident here, and we've all had these experiences where, you know, the bars let out, restaurants let out, or a big hockey game is finished, and there's no available vehicle for you to get home. Um, when you look at the 91% of those occasional drivers, they tend to be driving during those hours where demand is at the highest. And so it's not just about the challenge of getting the Class 4 license. It's really about solving the real problem here, which we know is supply restrictions here. So we want to make sure that we've got the right cars in the right place. And those occasional drivers that we have on our platform, which won't really drive under a Class 4 licensing regime, won't be available. Uh, there's also a criticism sometimes, uh, people saying that it's happened in other jurisdictions. So when ride hailing is brought in, it increases traffic congestion. How do you respond to uh, those who'd say, who say actually they don't want it because it puts more vehicles on the roads? Well, I think congestion is obviously a, a very large problem. There's uh, and many factors, right? Rapid urbanization, people moving into the cities. But I think all you need to do is next time you're on your commute uh, into a city is look around and see how many cars have a single occupant in them. Really, the, the, the challenge here is car ownership. And so when you start to think about some of the programs that we have with ride sharing, where people can share a ride, getting picked up from a similar destination and dropped off in a similar area, the multimodal approach by introducing bikes and scooters, and obviously our deep integration into different transit authorities, um, you start to really start to you know, eliminate some of those challenges. And we've been having some great conversations with uh, TransLink here and we're really excited about those type of partnerships. Uh, would you say for the most part, are Lyft drivers drivers that are already on the road and they put the app on and make themselves available or do they go onto the road specifically to be a Lyft driver? Well, I think that's the, the beauty of the platform is the flexibility that it brings for a lot of people. Uh, you know, I had two, two great drivers in, uh, in Ottawa just last week. Uh, again, one driver was, uh, was a retiree on fixed income, and the other was a student who was studying to be a civil engineer. Uh, and this was a great way for him to make some supplemental income and pay his way through school. And you hear all those stories you know, all the time. And, uh, and again, it's really all about the flexibility and the earning opportunities that they provide. Uh, we're still waiting for more details in BC, uh, particularly when it comes to boundaries, if there will be boundaries on where uh, ride-hailing drivers can go, and also the insurance model, what that's going to cost, and if there's going to be a cap on vehicles. Uh, do you need to wait for that before you decide or before Lyft decides if it will come to BC or not? Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is what we're looking forward to is, again, engaging with the Passenger Transportation Board to really understand the opportunities that ride sharing brings to a city. We now you know, are literally doing millions of rides every single week in, uh, across North America and in Ontario. Um, it's a service that people have become, you know, have loved and uh, there's an expectation uh, around reliability and affordability. And we want to make sure that BC residents who deserve this, who have been waiting a very long time, for this, uh, they are served well by uh, by ride sharing here. Uh, you said that you don't operate anywhere else that has class four requirement. Do you operate elsewhere that has uh, boundaries and caps on the number of vehicles? Uh, we do not. No. So would that be a no non-starter if that if those are also brought in as regulations in BC? Again, we need to look at all the regulations in totality. And, and the most important thing for us is that we're bringing this really high level of service that people have come to expect from Lyft. But the thing that we're really most excited about, I mean, obviously getting people from point A to point B is important. But the investment in the community is really where Lyft has always differentiated itself, the way that it treats people, 
the way that we invest in social uh, impact programs, and as well as the environmental footprint. I'm not sure if you are aware of this or not, but Lyft is actually carbon neutral. We're one of the largest purchasers of carbon offsets uh, in the entire world. And so, again, not just solving congestion problems, but in getting people from point A to point B, but really partnering with the cities that we operate in to make them better places to live in. All right, Aaron, we'll leave it there. Thanks for your time today. Appreciate it. Great. Thank you very much. Aaron Zifkin, Managing Director for Lyft in Canada.